Attention freelancers and solopreneurs. Freelancers and solopreneurs. You are tuning into the Remote CEO, a show that will help you scale your business, become the authority in your market, grow into a better leader, and create your remote empire. And now, your host, acclaimed business coach and entrepreneur, Deniero B. What's going on, CEOs? This is Deniero B, and you are listening to the Saturday interview episode of the Remote CEO Show. I always make sure to have the most interesting guests and ask them practical and actionable questions so that you can take that knowledge and scale your business with it. So if you do enjoy this podcast, I would love for you to leave a review on your podcast app. It only takes a couple of minutes and it will make a big difference. Now, don't forget that we do release the five-minute episodes every single day at around 6 a.m. Eastern time. So subscribe to the show and you will get bite-sized actionable content delivered for free to your device. Also, share this podcast with other fellow entrepreneurs, freelancers, and solopreneurs. You're on the rise, so it only makes sense that you share this journey with like-minded people. And don't forget that the more you talk about these topics with other people, the more you will understand them and make them part of your everyday life. And now, let's get started. What is going on, CEOs? De Niro B here with another episode of the Remote CEO Show. Today, I am here with Nick Bradley. Nick is a world-renowned business growth and scale-up specialist who helps exceptional business leaders unlock their full potential. Is the host of the UK's number one business podcast on iTunes and and Spotify, Scale Up Your Business, which has achieved over 100,000 downloads in 130 countries in less than 12 months since launch. He also works with private equity investors across the UK, the US, and Southeast Asia, Over the last decade, he has bought, built, and sold multiple businesses, creating significant value for himself and shareholders, enabling 22 business acquisitions and completing over $5.3 billion in deals. Now, there's so much more to talk about. So, Nick, how are you doing today? Well, fantastic. Thank you. What a great introduction. I always always (laughs) like a little bit embarrassed when I hear some of that. I think, God, did I do that? Yeah. We are talking like, you know, decades of stuff there. But yeah, great to be on the show. Awesome. Awesome. Nick, again, thank you for being on the show. You have, uh, you know, done so much in your life, but before we get into the questions, I always ask my guests to talk about their background before they started this entrepreneurial journey and now they actually got into entrepreneurship. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you the quick version of what is almost like a lifetime of different um, nudges is probably the best way to say it. I, I started my first business when I was 18. I was, living in a little place called Adelaide in South Australia. Um, I now live in the UK. So we're talking back when I used to live, live down under, as they say. And, um, and Adelaide was famous. This is true. Adelaide is famous for three things. They're famous for churches, really, really big sharks. In fact, I think it was um, uh, down in the sort of southern shores where they filmed a lot of the Jaws footage, the original movie. Uh, and the third thing is serial killers. Apparently, we have more serial killers in Adelaide uh, per head of population. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I've got no affiliation with any of that, although I do know a couple of people who have you know, had sort of shark attacks. But anyway, um, we segue. I, I started a business at 18. It was a fitness business. It was a personal training business. I had my own studio in a gym. Uh, we're talking back early 1990s. So personal training now is kind of like a thing, you know, you know, who doesn't have one or who hasn't you know, had one before. 
But back in that time, no one had ever heard of personal training. So I started that business, sold it uh, two or three years later, made a little bit of money, not heaps, but enough for me to move from Adelaide to Sydney. And then I decided to give it up. I decided I'm not going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to go and take the pathway of an employee in the world of corporate. And for the next 15, 20 years, I progressed up the ladder in businesses like News International under Rupert Murdoch. And then I was working in New York for a company called Getty Images, had this really full on like corporate career. And effectively what happened, right, is I kept getting sacked towards the end. The last five years, I think I had sort of a job every year. And what was happening is I was starting to resent this idea that I was being controlled in this kind of atmosphere and this structure. And, um, and effectively, it was, it was kind of the universe telling me that I was doing the wrong thing. And it culminated one evening when I was doing a deal. I was, I was working with some private equity firms on some acquisitions. And it was really stressful. And I was just hating everything that was going on. And uh, I remember going to bed that night. And I remember waking up at about three in the morning. It was like someone had smashed me in the mouth. Like I was in so much pain. And I thought, I thought like I've either been bitten by a spider right? Or something. Not many spiders in the UK, but something's bitten yeah. me, right? Because everything just felt really bad. Or I don't know, I've got an allergy or I've fallen out of bed. I don't know, right? I felt really just weird. Yeah. So I went to the bathroom and my face was all swollen and red. And I ended up taking some painkillers trying to get back to sleep. I went to the doctor and then the dentist the following morning. And they, they said that I grinded the back of my teeth yeah. so badly. I actually cracked my part of my jaw, like the teeth yeah. through here. Wow. I know, man. Anyway, long story short, long story short, I, I realized at that point that I had been following a very, very different path, not a, an unsuccessful path. You know, I'd made quite a bit of cash and all that, but I, I, you know, my calling was more around entrepreneurship. And I probably, if I look back in hindsight, I should have stayed on that path, the path that I was on from 18. But, you know, as I said, I'll pause here because there's more to the story, but uh, you know, the whole learning of those sort of years through corporate and everything I got from that um, gave me great, great grounding for what I do now. That's super cool. I want to get into the corporate and how it helped you, you know, build yeah. and scale your businesses. But I did, I did read that uh, you did about 67 marathons and 24 ultra marathons. So I do want to first off talk about that because it's insane. And second yeah. of all, how do you feel that type of training uh, you know, got you and affected your mindset positively when you when you started your businesses. Yeah, I, I, there's there's a lot of the thing about my story, and I try and tell it succinctly because there's so many different things, and they all come together. <laughs> if you believe in um, sort of serendipity and fate, yes. there's all these different things that lead, right? So the reason that I got into running was because one of the biggest influences on my life was my grandfather. So my father left when I was young and my grandfather effectively raised me. And he was the first Australian to run a marathon uh, after having a double bypass open heart surgery. Wow. And I remember, in fact, I've got his medal up there on the, on the wall, actually, because um, I was 10 years of age when he did that. And I remember him having, a, I can remember the conversation, him saying to me, I'm probably not going to survive this. I just wanted you, know, you to know how much I love you. And then he went and ran the thing and he did it in just over four hours. Like, it's a that's good time. That's, that's a very right? good time and, already, yeah. <laughs> and and, and he, he had just an, an amazing impact on my life. So anyway, so he, he passed away 
a few years later and and I started getting into running partly because I wanted to connect with him and partly back to your question about the corporate world partly because I was I needed an outlet and I needed to escape this world that just didn't feel congruent with who I was and so to answer your question how did I find the time to be honest it was easy because I needed that time just for my sanity so I would yes. effectively do about 100 miles a week. I'd, every, every Sunday morning, I'd get up at five in the morning and run a marathon. And I effectively got pretty good at it, actually. I wasn't professional, but I was getting, you know, some of my best finishes were top 20s in some of these ultra marathons. Um, but there was a really deep thing that was going on in my emotions and psychology that gave me, and, and running just gave me that, that huge amount of power, which then has helped many other things since. That's super cool. Do you find that uh, running, it's almost like therapeutic then, like something like meditation? Some people meditate and do other things. And for you, it's just like being in the zone. Yeah, I, I love to run in nature too. So a lot of the stuff I was doing was trail running and, and you know, a lot of the ultra running is done in these amazing environments. And I live now in a place in the UK, which is, you know, effectively in the countryside. So it's partly meditative. It's partly um, problem solving um obviously there's a whole heap of different fitness benefits that come with that as well but the one thing i'll tell you is this right is if you and people may not get this because it just feels so out there but if you line up for a hundred mile race right there's no certainty that you're ever going to finish it it's extremely yeah. scary if your whole world is built around the perception of success right yeah. because you're lining up you don't know what's going to happen in 100 miles it's a 24-hour race or more your body can break down all that but if two things happen, if you finish it, you feel like a superpower, you feel like Superman, right? And you take that same feeling into anything you do. Certainly I did into my work in my business. If you don't finish it, you also learn just as much, not so much about failure, but just about pushing yourself to the absolute limits. So I like to say that that mindset I have, the grit that I have has been, um, I suppose, formed from the amount of effort that I put into my running. That's super cool. That's, uh, that's amazing, man. Listen, so now you quit your full-time job, you're starting your business. And then I just mentioned at the very beginning that you, that you did so much with your business. So give me an idea. How did you start? What was your very first uh, type of venture and how did that go? Was it a success right away or was it a learning process as well? Well, you know, the thing, what happened to, to, to sort of when I had that, um, the teeth incident, as I call it, the, the you know, the, yeah. the sort of sign from the, from the gods, if you want to call it, that I probably should be doing something else. And then my wife, who's an amazing leveler, decided to tell me that actually she knew this was coming anyway, which, you know, thanks, thanks for that. Um, what, I, what I did is I, I called up a mate who was very successful at a very young age through entrepreneurship, and I kind of connected with him. And he encouraged me to kind of go out and change my environment. And what I ended up doing is I, I went to a Tony Robbins event on his advice, mm -hmm. an event called Unleash the Power Within. So I, it was about a month after I did the, um, I had the, the, the teeth situation and I jumped on a plane from the UK to Chicago and I spent four days in this, this event with, with Tony Robbins and, and 10,000 other people. And what that taught me was a number of different things. It taught me that I, again, wasn't following the right path. It taught me that I needed to um, change a certain number of beliefs that I had about who I was and what I was becoming and what I could become. 
And so effectively, I made the decision at that event to quit my, my, my job, my life, but then I didn't. And this is the interesting piece that I often say to people, I didn't um, burn the boat then and there. I took me a year to build the business mm -hmm. and the businesses I have now while I was still working a day job. And so what I did is I, I launched a podcast called Scale Up Your Business. And I started to get mentors, which I'd never invested in in my life before. And I got coaches and I spent you know, quite a lot of my savings. I didn't, didn't, didn't tell the wife. Um, <laughs> and, um, and I managed to get myself in these different environments, in these different rooms with all these amazing people. And all of a sudden, I started to get different strategies and, and my whole world opened up. So, so I spent a year in what I call personal and professional development and launched the podcast. That grew quickly. And then off the back of that, all these other opportunities just started to present themselves. So then what I did is I doubled down on all the, the things that I was learning and I started to get super intentional about the areas that I wanted to build my life around in terms of, you know, what businesses I wanted, how much money I wanted to make, where I wanted to live, how I wanted to spend my time, everything. And, and I effectively did a whole life design over, this, over the course of that time to be able to create what I'm doing now. And we are looking back now a few years so since then, I've got, well, I've got seven businesses, you know, well into seven figures now. Um, and I've got, uh, you know, a whole heap of impact that's been done through the podcast in terms of what that's been. But the whole journey started with me changing my mindset around what I thought I was and me um, trusting myself to step into something which I'd been repressing for many years. Now, there's a huge lesson uh, to be learned in what it, well, the whole thing is amazing. But the one thing that really stood out to me is the fact you were telling me that once you had the idea of quitting your job, you took the time to put, you know, the pieces into place. I know some people that just get super annoyed and frustrated with their full-time job. They quit and then they try to figure things out as they go. And maybe they have more free time because they don't have a nine to five to go to uh, during the week. But you know, you don't have that peace of mind of knowing that you can still rely on your job. And some people are not willing to do that overlap time. Um, a lot of my listeners are solopreneurs that are trying to scale their business. So if you had to give them two golden nuggets that you've learned through your podcast and through your business, I know that there's going to be a million, but if we had to single out a couple, uh, what would they be and why? Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll try and I'll try and hone it down because it, it can be a, an overly complex um, topic. What I find that the number one thing, the number one thing I find, particularly with solopreneurs, is they're not crisp enough with what they're trying to create. They're not clear enough. And I often say that clarity is a superpower. Focus is a superpower. Discipline. And so you need to you need to kind of spend the time. Uh, looking a little bit into the future, you know, it's often called vision, but you need to be clear what you're creating. So it's, it's that old saying, you know, where, you know, if you don't know where you're heading, you're going to end up somewhere, but it may not be where you want to be. And most solopreneurs don't put the time in. So the first thing I'd say is, you know, if you're building a business, firstly, work out, is this a lifestyle business? Is it important to you that you have a business that just generates an income that you can fly around the world? You don't have any grand plans for it to be anything more than that, other than the fact it has to support a lifestyle. Uh, do you want to create more of a performance business, which means you've got employees, you've got some structure. 
it's probably not going to allow you the full freedom to step away, but it does give you some freedom, but it does in increase the level of complexity. Or do you want to build an empire? Do you want to have multiple businesses generating millions, tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars or pounds um, and spend your life maybe um, offering service and philanthropy because actually the financial piece is ticked. And they're, they're not to say that you can't just go on a sequential journey, by the way, start with one and then progress through. But you have to ask yourself first and foremost, a series of questions. And what I find is when, uh, particularly the entrepreneurs I work with, when they get the clarity, they, they show up differently. They start to lead better. They start to be, you know, become more intentional. So that's the first thing. That's very good. I, I'm just thinking right now, a lot of people that want to have the cake and eat it too then because they may want to have that lifestyle, kind of the Instagram lifestyle, if you want to call it that way. But at the same time, they want the empire. And they're trying to build both at the same time. And they're getting frustrated because they want to work five hours a day and they want to make hundreds of millions of dollars. So that absolutely makes total sense. Um, what's the second thing, in your opinion, that people, once they find out what they want to do, what should they work on? Yeah, so it kind of comes into your point just then, actually. Um, I've got a post-it note that sits next to my desk, which says, how can I work less? Right. So that doesn't sure, mean that yeah. I, I mean, and I'm, and I'm on an empire building strategy. Right. So, so that kind of feels like there's a bit of a conflict there or paradox. But, yeah. but he, here's the thing, right? You've got to be able to leverage. And so, one of the definitions of scale up that I often uh, am, you know, people ask me, what does it mean? I say it's the ability to build teams. Right. And it's the ability to work within structure and process. Yeah. Structure yeah. equals freedom. And so, so what I, what I often say to people is, if you want to have an empire, but you also want freedom, the only way you're going to do that is by being able to lead, by able to kind of bring people in to kind of build these things like machines. And then they literally run by themselves. And the secret behind that, and this is probably the key insight, is, you know, and it's not that clever, but find out what you love to do and find out what you're good at doing, right? And usually those two things are going to be joined in some way and just mm -hmm. do that. Everything else find a way of leveraging it and giving it to other people. And people say, oh, I haven't got the money. I haven't got the time. You, it's actually easier to leverage than you think. But if you can do that, if you've got a clear vision of where you're going, you know what you're building and you can leverage and you can focus on the things you're good at. They're the two things that allow solopreneurs, entrepreneurs to create, you know, stunning businesses and, and lives to be frank. That's super true. Actually, with the remote CEO coaching that I offer my clients, the second pillar is automation, delegation and management because a lot of people think they want to do everything, the so-called superhero syndrome, and then they find themselves burning out, right? Um, some, some, now, some of my coaching clients are actually freaking out right now because of COVID. Um, by the way, for those of you who are listening to the podcast in the future, we're still in the midst of a sort of a lockdown here in Europe uh, and the United States. Um, and a lot of people don't really know what they're supposed to do with their business. I was able to grow my business during COVID. But what opportunities are you seeing coming up over the next few months that my listeners and everybody really should pay attention to and, and leverage to grow their business? Yeah, I think, I think the, fir the first thing that, I mean, similar to you, we've had good growth over COVID as well. Um, I, I think, you know, there's, there's two types of um, business owner, if you like, that I've seen through this last few months. You've got the ones that, that just got absolutely um, comatosed, if you like, through fear, and they had to hibernate just to get 
over that. And I get that, right? You know, I, I don't judge that. That's fair. It's a fair thing. There's others who who had the opposite sort of reaction. So it's kind of like fight or flight. You know, the ones who who fought, you know, went out there and they doubled down on marketing. They doubled down on product development, on partnerships. And they're seeing the benefit of, of that work. So my advice to people now is that, you know, COVID can't be an excuse. You know, it's affecting the globe. And there are always opportunities that come from chaos. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you've got to totally pivot your business model. I mean, my, my wife had, had a travel business, which we had to put less focus on. We still have it, but we're not focusing on it. And we launched um, an Amazon business um, through COVID. And that's doing well because we realized that, that, that there was a shift you know, people were going to be spending more time at home. So online businesses are going to be more prevalent. But the, the starting point of all of that was the mindset. The mindset of saying, you've got to look for opportunity, even in chaos, not get yourself consumed by it. So everyone I've worked with, if, if you ask me just to kind of underline the point, the ones that have done well are the ones that have been able to manage their emotions, manage the fear and the uncertainty and got themselves into a resourceful state to see opportunities that were always there that other people were just too distracted to see. That makes total sense. So I want to talk about productivity. You have seven businesses now, right? Seven, seven separate businesses. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. That's insane. That's amazing. And some people are even struggling with just one and I totally understand if they're starting out and they're getting overwhelmed. But uh, let's talk about productivity. I love this topic because we all have 24 hours in a day. Yep. but it seems that some people are able to do so much more. So how does your you know, day unfold? Can you tell us what time you wake up and how it kind of plays out? Yeah, and I'm, you know, it's funny. I, I, I love structure and I love being disciplined. You know, we've talked about that, but at the same time, I don't try and tie myself into something because I think that can also be an issue. So I, I'm quite flexible, but I work, I work on what we call 90 day cadence. So I may set annual goals. I mean, I have a vision as, as you know, a personal vision or business vision. I work on annual goals, but then I only operate in a 90 day cadence. So I sit and I structure everything of what I can achieve over 90 days. And I have a, a structure, which I learned from one of my mentors, which is um, a Sunday planning system where effectively I plan my week on a Sunday. It takes me about 90 minutes. I, you know, have some music going, coffee, whatever else. I kind of do it at a time of the day when the kids aren't, you know, becoming too um, disruptive. And, and I focus on the results that I want to achieve um, for the week based on the 90-day cadence, which are the milestones, which are then laddering up to my annual kind of outcomes. And then I, I only have a few things that I spend my time on. Like there's only about three or four things I actually spend my time on. Now I make sure that I fill my day up in advance with those things. Um, and then anything that I've got gaps in around, uh, that's where people can fill that up with, with other bits. But it's a bit like that metaphor about filling the jar with rocks first before you start to fill yes. it with sand. And, sure. and, I, and I tend to just have that discipline. Now, in terms of when I get up, that's dictated actually a little bit by my sleep patterns. So some people recommend, oh, you know, you've got to get up at the same time every day and all that. Now, I don't do that. I used to do that, but I found it wasn't helping me. And I have, a, I have this thing called a whoop band, okay. which is this kind of um, sleep tracker, which tells me every night how much sleep I need based on how much exercise or how much stress I have in my body. 
And sometimes I'm doing podcasts until late at night. So what I won't do is do podcasts until 11 o'clock at night and then force myself to get up at 5 a.m. Yeah. Uh, I might get up at 7 because I want to have that amount of time. But what I always do is I have a routine in the morning where I always start with meditation. I just do 10 minutes of, um, of the Calm app. I just do like it's called a daily calm. Um, I always do that. I always do some form of exercise. I always do some reading in the morning. And I just kind of go through my journal and I just kind of get anything that's in my head written down. And I do that every single day. And that always sets me up for the day. And then everything's planned. And I just go through the day and it's just effectively trying to be as present as I possibly can be. And as I do that, I find that I'm much more productive, much more intentional, much happier. And the goals that sometimes people take a year to achieve, I found that I can actually bring them forward. And quite often I can achieve something pretty big in 90 days whereas a lot of people procrastinate and they kick those things down the road. For sure. So many golden nuggets in what you said right now. And one of them is actually the 90 day uh, system. I really love that idea. I have a planner too. I do the Sunday planning as well, by the way. Oh, and, uh, but I try to wake up always at the same time, but then, you know, I, I find myself having to record podcasts, like you said, because we're in Europe and then a lot of my guests are in North America, sometimes even Pacific time. So it, it can get uh, crazy to, to wake up, you know, always at 5 a.m., even if you go uh, to bed at midnight. What is that band? Like, can you tell me, can you tell us more about it? It's yeah, the coolest so it, thing. I've never heard about it. Yeah. So do you know what? Like you can get consumed too much by technology and planners <laughs> and all these sort of things, right? Um, it's a, called a whoop band. There's a guy that I love to listen to um, who's got an amazing podcast called Rich Roll. And um, he's kind of like an endurance runner athlete. And he's got, I think he's got one of the biggest podcasts in America. And he, he wears one, you, you pay like a monthly subscription for it. It's not cheap. It's about 20 quid a month, 25 quid a month, mm -hmm. but it gives you a whole heap of analytics about your, what they call strain and recovery and sleep. So it's wow. similar to like an aura ring, which some people have got, but I just find that what I was doing beforehand is I was, I was, I'm because my nature is one of trying to do lots of things. I like to be super productive, but I also like to push myself. Mm -hmm. is I was sometimes getting five or six hours sleep a night. And after a while I realized that, and so my, my coaches said to me, you've got to slow down to speed up. Yes. And, and this metrics helped me do that. So now I know if I need to sleep, I'm going to sleep. I'm not going to beat myself up that I didn't get up at five. I still have the same routine um but i'm i'm really comfortable with that that's super cool listen i uh wanted to talk about your future projects right now um what are you working on what's what's exciting what's coming up yeah two things two things i'm working on right now so um the majority is we talked about the different businesses i have um some of them are quite diverse but there are there are a couple of areas that we put focus on so one is is helping entrepreneurs who have the ambition to sell their business for eight to nine figures. So tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars in the future, we work with them on effectively, not, not so much the education side of, you know, what do you need to do? We actually go in there and actually do the work with them. So we have a, a methodology called the seven, uh, sorry, the six peaks of value creation, which is an analysis and assessment against the business. And we can actually pinpoint the areas which is holding that business back. So We've just launched that, that assessment. It's pretty powerful. And then we go in, as I said, and work strategically and operationally with those businesses. And I've had a couple of clients, one client in particular, he's tripled his business through COVID after following that methodology. And he was one of my early beta testers on the system. And it's been really powerful. So we're doing that. And then the second thing we focus on is we buy our own, buy our own businesses as well. And there's a lot of... Um, 
distressed businesses, good businesses that for whatever reason, the owners don't want to have anymore. And I'm always on the lookout to acquire businesses that are not optimized that I can then come and scale up myself. Because obviously, you know, you, the way you create freedom and wealth these days is by having assets and income comes from assets. And so if you've got businesses you own or whatever else, then you can either take money from them as an income or you can build them up into groups and sell them. And a lot of the people I like to work with, they, you know, they've created freedom from selling their businesses for, as I said, those tens of millions of, of dollars. So that's where I spend my time. That's super cool. That's amazing. I would love to have you back on the show sometimes in, in the future to really talk about this project and how it's going to develop. But for now, Nick, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was your pleasure having you on. You give us so much uh, interesting stuff to think about. And where can my listeners find you online? Yeah. So um, first and foremost, I say, if you've got a business and you want to kind of, you know, get any of the perspectives that I've been talking about, definitely listen to my podcast, which is Scale Up Your Business. You can find that on the, the usual channels. Uh, and we also have a community, the Scale Up Your Business community on Facebook, which is a free, a free group. It's got a few thousand people in there now. It's a really nice community. We're very conscious of not making it kind of this kind of promotional fest place. It's really for people who want to help others and learn from others in terms of how they're growing and scaling. So they're the two places to reach me. And then I tend to hang out pretty much on LinkedIn a lot for some reason. I don't know why. It seems to be the place that probably for my corporate career, it's one of those hangovers. So if anyone wants to shoot me a message, then I, you know, I try and get back to everyone as quickly as I can. Awesome, Nick. Again, thank you so much. And I'll talk to you soon. Cool. Thanks, Nero. Appreciate it. Okay. And this is it for today, CEOs. Thanks for staying with us until the end. Can I ask you a big favor? Can you please leave a review? I know the podcast app is not super straightforward. So if you don't know how to leave a review, just DM me on Instagram at B. D-E-N-I-E-R-O-B and I will send you the direct link to the review section and to show you my appreciation, I will answer any business question you ask me during that conversation. So thank you again and I will talk to you again soon.